the silent H. In digging up family records, I recently came on some information about my maternal great-great-grandmother. In a letter from an aunt, she was named as Anna or Hannah Rathery, <clears throat> who lived close by the rest of my grandfather's family in the tiny settlement of Eckup near Leeds in Yorkshire, England. This Anna or Hannah, silent H on the end, had six children and died at the age of 34. The confusion about the spelling of her first name was due to the dropping of the letter H in most of the local dialect, so that even if the name was written Hannah, everyone would have pronounced it as Anna. Hannah, H or not, married a William Hainsworth, sometimes an agricultural laborer and sometimes a woodsman. When my grandfather decided that my mother should have a name recalling his mother's family, he wrote it as Ainsworth, no H. Having grown up in those parts, he seems he seems he never knew there was an H in Hainsworth. <clears throat> the Hainsworths and other relatives were tenant farmers on lands near the great Harewood estate, whose name would have been pronounced by the aristocrats with the H and without it by the commoners. In the the musical My Fair Lady, Professor Higgins goes on at length about the silent H. He says that as soon as an Englishman opens his mouth, it makes some other Englishman despise him. He browbeats Eliza with the phrase, in Hartford, Hereford, and Hampshire, hurricanes hardly ever happen. Saying those H's so as to disturb a candle flame will be crucial, crucial to her whole social success. That was the extent of it until some uh, discoveries last week. On the marriage registration for Hannah and William, the clerk wrote Hannah, two H's. Where she was supposed to sign her own name, she put an X. I thought that this H on the marriage certificate settled it, but a cousin of mine who lives near there and is quite a researcher said, no, it was written as Anna on her birth certificate and her death certificate. Maybe she never even knew how it should be spelled. <clears throat> the death certificate of Annie Hainsworth shows the cause of death as tuberculosis and uses the antique term phthisis. More silent H's in that word. Phthisis pulmonalis. She died on December 12, 1867. The death certificate made it possible to imagine the scene of her demise. The frantic husband in the Christmas season, the cowering and terrified children, the oldest one, just 13, her mother-in-law and great auntie hanging close by, perhaps muttering darkly that because she had violated some ancient superstition, she really brought it on herself. Now, it happens that I attended a performance of Puccini's La Boheme last week, just as the news about Anna arrived. This great, powerful opera was based on some stories written by a Frenchman set around the time of Hannah's death. Both women... The operatic Mimi and my great-great-grandmother had some things in common and some other things that were wildly different. Both died young of TB and both were poor. Both died leaving a huge gap in the lives of those behind. But no great composers were moved by the story of Anna and there are no famous plays or operas about her life. We watch the foolish young people in Paris on their self-destructive course, and we say, what a pity, what a great sadness, how monumental a thing. It takes a bit of imagination even to picture the constant toil of the life of Hannah. 
and even to more to imagine, to figure out what her joys may have been. The real Anna has many living descendants today, but the fictional Mimi would not have any, if the story is complete enough. The compensations for our lives come in ways we never know. But there is one thing that two women share. In French, the title La Boheme has a silent H.